Welcome to the two bottles. Oh shit. <laughs> Come on, get serious. Hey, welcome to the two bottles beer beer podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Two Beer Bottles Podcast. I'm Bobby G, aka Long Neck, and my co host, I'm Ermio, aka Stubby, or Stubby, aka Ermio. Works either way. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Two Beer Bottles Podcast. Uh, we had such a blast last time, we decided to repeat the experience today. We are here, host Bobby G, a.k.a. Longneck, and Ermio, a.k.a. Stubby. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our third episode in our newly renovated <laughs> studio. <laughs> Look for the Facebook pages, folks. <laughs> We've got a sign. We're telling everybody we're on air. Thanks for telling each other. We've got a sign. And so we both know we're talking into the mic at this point. But yes, we are on air. We have a sign. Officially says we are on air. Bobby has been awesome with this stuff. Um, so I Bobby. No, I have nothing else better to do. <laughs> you showed me something today which absolutely blew my mind. It was probably the, you know, I... I I think this is probably, for all those homebrewers out there, a treasure beyond treasures. Tell everybody about what you showed me today. Okay, I, I was trying to find this thing for the longest time. And I, I had it, I put it away, and I couldn't find it. And I'm fumbling around the house looking for something totally different. <laughs> and what do I find? It's a memo pad, and it dates back to April 21st, 1986. And it's Bob's Dark Lager German-style beer. And it's got all the ingredients that we use. We started in 1986, my friend Dave Deschardins and I. Uh, it's really, um, it's, it's really kind of funny. There's, just to give you an idea on how we were, what we knew, is that there is a... <laughs> There is a beer here. October 15th, 1986. And the name of the beer is We Don't Know What We're Doing Beer. <laughs> and it, it pretty much says it all. We really didn't know what we were doing. Um, but we, we kept up and we did some pretty good things. You know, it, it's just that uh, I do believe, and Romeo's had the experience, but I believe that having two of us made the difference about continuing doing this. If it was just me, I, I'm not sure if I would have kept it up or not. <laughs> Especially when about the fifth or sixth batch of beer you're making is we don't know what we're doing. Do we? And it, it was it was true. We didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. But, and, but later on, you know, the more we did, we're going, okay, all right, we're doing this, we're doing that. I mean... Mm -hmm. When it called for gypsum, we didn't know what that we were doing. Mm. Why did it call for gypsum? We don't know. Right. Well, come to find out, is to make it you know a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe soften the water. You don't put as much in. You want it a little bit harder. You put more in. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't know that. There right. was no guidance. Right. None. So you put the gypsum in, not knowing what the consequences for putting that ingredient into your beer. Absolutely not. I had no idea. <laughs> obviously, no idea. obviously the results must have been good because you continued doing <laughs> it. Continue right? doing it. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was the good part about and, it. And and for a lot of beginning homebrewers, that just might be the case where you have a recipe, you're asked to put something into that brew that you're making, and you're going like, why am I doing this, and why am I putting this in my beer, uh, and only further research. Or 
the fact that you might actually miss that ingredient. Let's say you make a the same batch of beer, but you miss that ingredient and you're detecting something different between the two beers. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times as home brewers, especially with the beginning kits, you're, you're just literally going with the recipe. You don't ha generally have an idea of why this is going in unless you research it and discover why it's going in. But uh, to your point, you don't put more in to make it, <laughs> right? You put in what the recipe asks for. Now, 1986, no internet, okay? No internet, very little resources. Today, there's plenty of resources, plenty. You go to the home brewing shop, and they're going to be able to tell you why you're using this and why you're using that. Right. So, you know, like, um, you want to clarify your beer. You use Irish moss or... I use a super Irish moss or I use Warflock tablets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Warflock. Yes, Warflock tablets. Right. right. And um, Irish moss is uh, seaweed. And the other one, because I'm not going to, I'm always going to screw it up. Um, I believe comes from fish bladder. So if you really, it, it, depending on how technical you want to be, um, oh, I'm a vegan. So uh, you're going to use Irish moss. If you right. don't care, either way, you'll use either one of them. It doesn't make any difference. Agreed. I mean, it, you know, I, I find that uh, people who want to brew uh, certain beers with sensitivities to them, like let's say, for example, you're gluten-free and things like that, there are so many resources out there for you to be able to accomplish that task, to brew a wheat-free or gluten-free beer. The same thing with, you know, if you're sensitive to an ingredient that you're adding to your beer, regardless of diet, it could be like, sensitivity to yep. things you always want to know what that you're putting in there but it, back to the original point you know what you were doing 35 years ago right you know <laughs> it said gypsum you put gypsum in, oh what's this do i don't know no, i don't know let's do it <laughs> so recipe says <laughs> so when you get to that point to today where there's a lot more information and oh, we have the yeah. internet so ed books of course but yeah, you could generally have, if you wonder, well, what, what's this do to your beer? You can gain that understanding, but what is in this to make this do the, to make it happen in the beer? You can also make that discovery. So yeah, today, a lot more information oh, available a lot to more. you. Now, the, um, I got one of the first printings of uh, editions of um, The Joy of Home Brewing, which I got autographed by Charlie Papagian. It's worth probably about 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, 55 cents. I'll pay 57 cents for it, Bobby. Okay. But in, in the book, for, um, you know, for the yeast, it just says ale yeast or lager yeast. That, that was it. And I, here at the studio, I looked at uh, Ermio's book, and I'll say, uh, I just opened it up, and it said, use a German-style wheat beer yeast. They didn't have that back then, so everything was just you just did what you you just did what you did, what you could get. That was it. There right. Was no... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were mentioning, you know, when we started, when you started brewing years ago, that you know, ingredients availability was limited, right? So Very literally, limited. you were getting the four ingredients, which is water, hops, uh, malt, and um, uh, sugar. No, no, it's not sugar. What is it? Uh, well, you get the yeast. You got, yeah, yeast. <laughs> what we're talking about. Oh, um, yeah. All that stuff. <laughs> so you have those four main ingredients that back then the availability or the variety was limited, but right. you still produced a product. Yeah. Whereas today, literally, the menu is huge. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's fascinating that you researched that edition one, you know, had a certain type of yeast that it recommended because it was, you know, it was published way back then. And then you're looking at edition three, which was, you know, not really, I mean, I think it was published in like 2003 or republished in 2003, and it's not much different um, than uh, what you had, but again, you, yeah, but 2003, so. But it's been revised. But it's been revised, right, to match the ingredients that were available in 2003. Charlie, write an edition four so we can see what you've edited into uh, <laughs> to the next, next, uh, next book for yeast. Um, one of the things that um, I wanted to talk about is um, a blow-off tube. 
and fermentation lock. So I I had this one, I know we've, we've talked about it, I had this one escapade where I had um, too much stuff in my, <laughs> in my carboid and um, it blew the top off. And ever since then I've used blow-off tube just to make sure Bob just so you know after reflection I think the amount of activity exceeded your expectations which is a good thing well it is well the thing was is that I was making a six gallon a six and a half gallon batch right and I thought I had enough air space right right well, you know what thought got me. Right. Well, okay. no. We, we know what thought got Let's me. Let's look at it positively. It exceeded your expectations and yeah. taught, you, taught you how to proceed forward. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> so now I always use a blow-off tube. You get a plastic stem and you put a tube. Now, people who, are, not, who are, are just starting, who don't know what I'm talking about, what you can actually do is just draw like a bottle and three-quarters up, make a little wavy line, and that's your fluid. And the rest is airspace. <clears throat> so after you put your yeast in, the yeast is eating the sugars, and the tube—you just draw a tube that goes into a little container of water. Now, really, all you really need is maybe have that tube in maybe three eighths to a half inch max. Right. But Bob, <laughs> in his infinite wisdom, likes to put it inch and a half, two inches in deep in water. Right. Okay, so this is my reasoning. This is where I'm, I'm going overboard. But the fact that you have enough buildup for it to perk out like three-eighths of an inch, it is fine. So look at it this way. Having like three-eighths to a half inch, it's like you need like maybe about a quarter of a pound of pressure. Right. Okay. Now my way of thinking, which is it's just it's just overboard. Right. It's just making sure that if there's any oxygen in there once it's starting to, to ferment, that there's so much carbon dioxide in there that it's gonna it's gonna kill it. Right. And I only use it like for about a day or two. Right. So it doesn't it, it still perks. It'll it'll perk. And it's not like it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Whether you're using a blow-off tube or a fermentation lock, basically it's like a check valve. Right. You know, excess goes out, and the other stuff doesn't come in. Right. You know, the the, the you know the, the primary role of a an airlock or a fermentation lock is basically for that to allow excess. actually gases, excess gases, good or bad, out from well, what you're fermenting. And of course, preventing anything from being reintroduced to that environment, right. uh, whether it's good or bad. It's just right. things, that, you know, yeast has to do its job. It produces a uh, CO2 or a gas, and that gas has to escape. Otherwise, what's going to happen, right? Every, anything you cap this with is going to blow off, right, without having a release valve on it. Right. And then, of course, you can't keep it capped because then the yeast will die <laughs> yeah nothing nothing living can breathe in uh, you know in a um, environment like that so yeah I mean it makes sense that uh, you want a tool like that it's just uh, I know I'm going overboard right but I only use it like for a day or two because you'll see it if you use a glass cardboard you'll see the foam will come up and everything and after about two days it goes down right so after that, I just switch over to. Well, you know, it might be it might be an overboard uh, thought process, especially for beginning home brewers, because most home brewing kits you'll get you'll get enough ingredients in it and enough instructions that it, that you're producing literally just a five gallon batch, and usually the fermenting bucket they give you is like a six or close to a six gallon fermenting six bucket. Six and a half, I think yeah, you could yeah. probably put maybe six. So and a half. It, it it you know <clears throat> that experience of blowover rarely happens with those. Whereas if you're using a glass carboy, you see you know, it. You you see it, but at the same time, most initial glass carboys people buy are five gallons, right? Which you know it's it's funny when you're producing a five gallon batch of. Well, they usually around six six and a half gallons. Right. If you get if you right. can buy them at six and a half gallons, right. but most of them are five gallons. 
um, especially when you're buying the the, uh, the smaller ones. But those really aren't meant to brew five gallon batches of beer. No, no. Like three. Yeah, you want a six gallon. I I, I run two six gallon uh, carboys, based on the experience. <laughs> but the the first two carboys I bought were five gallons, and I would have that exact problem that you were talking about. In fact, uh, the first time I used my five gallon carboy was when I had that experience, just like you had, not as dramatic as yours but enough to make me worry and ask you whether or not that would be okay, is it what's gonna happen? And it turned out, that, that beer turned out just fine. Yeah. yeah, so I just, it's only like for a day or two. Mm-hmm. That's when the most activity, you know, it foams up and it rises and everything. And once it starts to go down a little bit, then you just, um, you can just switch over very easily. Yeah, excellent. Uh, folks, uh, we're gonna take a little break here. And uh, we'll get right back to you because the Two Beer Bottle Podcast cannot be stopped. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we'll, not, we'll not let it be stopped. But here we go, folks. We're going to take a little break, and we'll get right back to you. So you want to start home brewing? Good choice. Another good choice is Blackstone Valley Brewing Supply. Whether you're a beginner or advanced brewer, they have what you need. From extracts, liquid and dry, to grains, yeast, hops, and everything else in between. Charlie the owner is there to help you with your questions and materials that you need. They're at 403 Park Avenue, Winsocket. Closed on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday is 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sunday is 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Their phone number is 401 seven six five three eight three oh you can order online or by phone me bobby g i've used them for over 12 years tell them the two beer bottles sent you hello folks welcome back to our next segment here of the two beer bottles our third our third time doing this yeah yeah you know and third our, time doing it in our newly renovated studio <laughs> renovated being that we have a sign that says this is our studio and we have a sign that says we're on air <laughs> nice those are the only two additions to our newly renovated studio other than that we've learned how to shall we say record our podcasts in a more effective way than our experience in past days it was kind of you know you don't know this the background to our present studio is that you know i thought i knew what i was doing with everything and so i went out and bought all this equipment of course none of it worked (laughs) so but what you it but it's fine yeah i know and so we uh we found a way to record and satisfy our need to get ourselves off to the air but uh bobby so what did you want to talk about today Again, I mean, what did you want to talk about during the second segment? Well, ingredients. And one of the things is that, uh, I told you earlier, that I'm kind of off the wall on ingredients. <laughs> and <laughs> to say the very least, um, I've used coconut. I've used, uh, you know, one of the things that I've, one of the last things I brewed was the wheat last that I got... Um, that I used heather and meadowsweet and peated smoked malt. Anybody who wants to try this, I recommend it, but please be careful on how much peated smoked malt you use. <laughs> I'd probably go with a quarter of a pound and then work your way up. No more than that, because it will kill you. <laughs> it won't kill you, but it's gonna be very smoky. Right. Um, I was fortunate to get Heather Honey from England, from a young woman at work, Sophie. Her parents came over and they uh, got me that. Um, they also one time got me some uh, black trickle, which is, if people aren't familiar with it, it's kind of like, um, it's a British molasses. It tastes a little bit different, same color. Consistency is a little bit different, um, but very tasty. So I had used that. I used that when I made a, um, a rye beer, a rye ale. I was I called it trickle my rye. Um, <clears throat> also, 
one of the things um, about ingredients, the other day I was watching uh, PBS and they had this, this show, The uh, Taste Makers. And this woman goes around the country checking out people who are doing different things with ingredients and, and everything. And she was in Florida, she was in Vero Beach, and uh, at this brewery called Orchid Island Brewery. And uh, what they were using um, local citrus. It's in the Indian River area mm -hmm. in Florida. And um, they were using local citrus. And what he was also using is was um, his spent grain. He was bringing it to a uh, cattle farmer. And he was also using meat from the cattle at his restaurant. So he was he was doing the the local thing. Trying so to it, was, get it was farm to kitchen to farm to kitchen. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So in other yeah. words, it was almost a biometric environment. Right. right. He he was he's trying to source certain things locally, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, it, 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 it makes it it makes it more. Isn't that a truer to a, a European uh, beer, uh, uh, brew house, you know, especially when you go to local breweries in yeah. Europe, right? Like they're getting all their grains, all their hops. They aren't shipping them in from, you know, you know, other countries and things like that. They literally have it right every, there. Everything is grown. Everything is uh, the water, of course, is from the, you know, where the local uh, area, of course. It's not something that's, you know, piped in and filtered right. or anything like that. It's, it's, it, traditionally in European breweries, that's really the way it is. It's, everything is from the local area. Yeah, there, there, are certain, there are certain beers that are known because of the water and everything that they use at that particular area. Right. That's what makes the beer what it is. I agree, I agree. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of breweries even in today, you know, they have pri proprietary ingredients to their beers that you know they they share or they don't share but in any case the reason why they have that is so they can consistently brew that batch of beer they're famous for so like in the case of Budweiser you know they'll have proprietary ingredients that they don't share with anyone else simply right. because they're producing a Budweiser right right and well Sam Adams they have um, it's brewed I think in Cincinnati mm-hmm and they replicate the water chemistry from the Boston area. Oh, okay, right. So it so tastes, it tastes, tastes, like, <laughs> so it tastes right. like 1989, you know? <laughs> well, so I mean, that's... Agreed, right, right. Um, so, you know, in talking about ingredients, one of the things I'm sure everybody wonders about is when you go to a brew shop and you're buying your ingredients, you know, there are many different varieties there's many different brands and things like that who do you trust who do you rely on to get you know good reliable ingredients from well you have to trust your local brew shop right you know, um, you could get I'm, I'm sure you can get a lot of high quality stuff online mm -hmm. um, the thing is what you don't get online is what you can get at a brew shop like at Blackstone there's that you can talk to the owner who's got experience right who, who kind of help you out you don't you don't get that from a catalog right you know you only get it from yeah literally you, you, literally you know when you you're online you're ordering from obviously a reliable source in the sense that they probably have what you need correct but the issue I always have with online ordering is that you know the only reason that's like the last resort for me it is for me no, number one number one <laughs> it takes time for that product to get to you number two um, you know you're ordering in good faith so you're placing an order in hopes that what you're ordering is going to come to you as as that right and, mo and, and I will tell you good 90% of the people out there doing business online that's what's going to happen you're yes. going to get stuff in good faith yeah I think that what I like about local brew shops reliably is that you know if he doesn't have it right if like Charlie doesn't have it 
he'll make a suggestion about something he does have in inventory that he can exchange it for. Right. You know, there's nothing worse than ordering something online, expecting it, being told it's back ordered because, you know, the ingredients are right. not available. Or trying to find something, you're looking for something online and you can't find it and you're trying to find something to exchange it with. What's great about going to Blackstone, in my opinion, is the fact that you know, if if Charlie doesn't have it, he he can look and research and find see something. See if he can get coming. it for you. Or yeah, and ironically, you know, like <clears throat> I talk about my A10 darkness. I love using Imperial A10 darkness on my my porter. But Charlie has recommended I do have this other yeast that you could use instead of that, and and get similar results. I mean. Obviously, the yeast has a big influence on your beer. But if I really had to brew my porter, right, um, I would probably take Charlie or, you know, a reliable suggestion from someone, right? I mean, if you're, if you're in Rhode Island, um, the only one that I really know that I have any kind of faith in, I'm, but if... If you're somewhere else in Rhode Island and there's a brew shop that does good by you, then that's fine. Right. I mean, there's, there's, that's fine. We just, you know, right. I, I've been doing business with Blackstone for over 12 years. And well, if you're a Rhode Islander, you know, folks, if you're a Rhode Islander, you're packing a bag with you. You're going to be taking more than. Well, two you don't need it. The thing is, you know, like um, I live, in, I live in Pawtucket, and I go to Woonsocket to uh, to get it, but and I don't have to bring my passport. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's a good Rhode Islander <laughs> reference, but I agree with you because I mean the other day I had to buy um, some minerals for the the porter. I wanted to really do a, a porter chem water chemistry, right? So I had to buy this thing called chalk. I think it's called calcium carbonate. Um, but you know, unfortunately, all, all that Charlie could sell me was a five pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> so you got plenty of chalk. All I needed was teaspoon, right? <laughs> But, um, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't, he said, I, I, I can't break this up. And, I, and it was fine. I understood. It was only $25. I understood what he was asking for me. Um, he didn't have, you know, I, I wasn't completely positive I wanted to buy it. So then I found another place down in Jamestown that did have it, uh, small uh, one ounce packages of it, right? But then I didn't want to pay the $4 toll to get to Jamestown. <laughs> So then I ended or up have going. Your passport stamped. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going to a place that was probably about the same because I had a choice of going to Crafts Brewers, uh, which is all the way down in in Hope Valley, about a forty minute drive. But there was something heading north, four minute drive. It was you know near Shrewsbury, Mass. Ironically, it wasn't. It was easy to get to. Very fascinating uh, discovery. But had what I wanted at a very affordable price and I calculated the gas I saved one dollar total <laughs> all right <laughs> I'll, I'll take it if I can save one dollar dang it I'm gonna take it but yes I and I didn't have to pack a bag but I did cross the border and so therefore when I got back I had to quarantine for 14 days <laughs> he, quar he quarantined for 14 hours in his brew shed <laughs> the, the day that the day that he he bottled and brewed <laughs> And then he said he wouldn't do it again. Right, exactly. <laughs> that'll um, learn you. Yeah, that'll learn me. right. But um, on, on some ingredients, I got this this one book. Um, it's called Wines and Beers of New England, and it's uh, it says how to do it history. And some of the things that they they use in here, and it's really kind of fascinating. You could use spruce. You could get spruce essence, or you could maybe uh, get some shoots in the spring. I, I thought spruce. I thought, spruce. I thought spruce trees. But the isn't the oil and spruce carcinogenic? No, I thought isn't that um, hemlock? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do know that hemlock will kill you. I mean, every every horror book, uh, every movie, good movie has hemlock. In hemlock. It. Right, it's a spruce, huh? Fascinating. Yeah. Also, they have. I, and apparently, um, the pilgrims at first were using ground ivy. Yeah. For what? For what? To um, for uh, bittering the beer. Wow. Ground yeah. ivy. Ground ivy. Who knew? 
Yeah, I, right. I would have thought of them. Right? We didn't know. Right. But so they, they actually use spruce too. Huh. You know, these are different ingredients you can you can definitely try. Huh. The ground eye, I just want to make sure you get the right right thing because I don't want to. <laughs> 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 I don't want to, want to, want to. The other thing I, um, I use a lot, maybe not necessarily a lot, but I use it enough. I use honey. And um, I'll use it for uh, priming or I'll use it for, um, for flavoring. And I tend to use it most of the time for the last 10, 15 minutes of the mm. boil. Because I don't want to boil all the flavor away. Right. So I try to use it near the, near the end. Now, if you're making a mead, I made another mead, by the way. <clears throat> and I used um, I used some crystallized ginger, and oh, wow. I, and I used oranges. And um, what I did do was um, I did put some more honey near the end because I again I didn't want to boil the flavor away. Right. And I'm going to use honey. For the priming, right. Um, there was one thing that we forgot, that I forgot to mention when we were talking about um, the fermentation lock and everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there is a release. So when you're bottling, you're adding a little bit more yeast, not adding a little bit more sugar for the yeast. Right. And when you cap it, then you cap it. Well, there is no check valve. Right. So where does a beer go? Where, right. where, does, where does the gas go? Right. It's forced into the beer. Right, which creates the carbonation that we look for. Right. right. So right. when you hear that, right. that's the gas coming out of out of the beer. Right. I but, mean, you're, but you're only using a little bit. Right. You know, it's, a, it's a very fascinating science to me when you think about beer in itself. You know, you are basically fermenting a, a, a product until the yeast literally goes dormant or dies. It's, it's consumed all the sugar, so then it drops to the bottom. And then what you do is you take the material that's above that and you put it into bottles, right? But what are you doing? You're adding additional sugars right. when you... Well, we're back after we were so rudely interrupted by a, a phone call on our recording device. <laughs> what we were talking about... It was uh, his mother. <laughs> Mom, mom, are you there? Um, we were talking about, you know, adding sugars. And one of the points I wanted to make about it is that, you know, the reactivation of yeast, which is fascinating to me because the yeast goes dormant when you've got it in a fermenting environment. In other words, it, it eats up all the consumable sugars and then literally settles at the bottom of your carboy. You're trying to siphon everything on top of that so that you don't have that, that sludge getting into your bottled beer so you're, you're you're transporting it to your bottling bucket to which point you're adding additional sugars correct and and those additional sugars job is to create carbonation mm -hmm. in that beer because as your point was you're capping that off and that that expelling gas has no place to go, go other than back, back into, into the beer, beer right so uh, <clears throat> what we were also talking what I wanted to bring up was you know I, I had made this one beer it was a triples Belgium uh, ale and to this day it's never carbonated and I can't really understand why it didn't do it um, with the exception because it's sweet as heck I mean it's just it's like a syrupy um, beer that to me is not attractive at all there's no carbonation to it um, and it's just it's just not a very attractive beer to drink um, but it really has had no activity since day one I have not seen it. And I've tried techniques where you shake the bottle, try to get the yeast, you know, that may have settled into it to reactivate. Uh, I've tried it at different temperatures in fermenting to see whether or not, you know, I can get the yeast to come back to life. But in all, all the, all the things I've tried on it, nothing has ever worked in recarbonating this beer. Um, so, you know, we were discussing, could it be the sugars? And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I mean, I doubt it was. I doubt that it was the sugars. Um, I think probably that the yeast wasn't compatible to that level of alcohol. You said it's a triple, right? So it might be that was that yeah. the yeast 
that couldn't survive in that that environment right that's right. the that's the only thing i could think of yeah now, if anybody if anybody has any thoughts out there you could pass it my way but yeah I, I think you're right about that i think actually you know i i was new to uh creating a yeast starter and i only think i may have used one packet of yeast and it was an you know an imperial level alcohol like 12 percent and didn't understand the dynamic that you needed maybe two or three pouches of yeast to bring it up. So at that time, of course. Now I know that yeast starters produce, you know, billions more cells and that, you know, when you're brewing the higher level alcohols, which I don't do very often anymore. I, I really like doing the fours and fives. Yeah, um, I do too because yeah. if you make too big of a beer, all you end up doing is lay on the floor in a fetal position. <laughs> and... <laughs> and, and you know that that's it. You know, I mean, you know, I don't like to have a, I like to have a couple of beers. You know, in the course of the evening, oh, my ribs hurt, <laughs> and you know, enjoy myself, and oh. then get into a fetal position. <laughs> ow, 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 ow! I um don't disagree. I don't disagree. Yes, I'm I'm on on my ears. I don't want to be in a fetal position. Mm -hmm. I'm done being in a fetal position. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I think those all point all valid points. So. Yeah, lately I've been doing a lot of beers with, or the beers that I make, uh, the two rustic French ales I made, they were just one packet of yeast because they were both around three or four ABV. And then the porter, which is still, a, it's like a five and a half. I used a yeast starter. More of, uh, what do you call it, suspicion? Uh, what do you call it? When you, uh, you don't want to be jinxed? Superstitious. Uh, superstitious, right. Uh, so I decided to create the same yeast starter that I did when I, gave away my beer and I thought it was best last year. So. Now, <clears throat> I know for dry yeast, they tell you, you know, you should do a yeast starter. With right, the, get, it, get it wet, right. Yeah, well, back in the day, mm -hmm. you know, we just threw it in there. Right, and many videos today show that too. And when I made my, um, my last mead, yeah. right now I'm going to be transferring it next week. Mm. I just took it and poured it in. Right. And I swear to God, within a half an hour, it was perking. Yeah. The, 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 you know, the, now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. Right. I'm just saying, you said, you know, superstitious. Right. Well, I'm kind of a, we're all creatures of habit. Right. And that's my habit. <laughs> and all I know, it works. Right. So that's what I do. I just... One of the, one of the things is like I try to do as little as I have to. Right. I don't want to contaminate things. Right. So I I keep everything it, after it, after the initial experience of opening up the carboid. Right. And sticking your face in there. Don't do that. Don't repeat that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> it's a no no. Yeah. Um, that's like Sophie got a kick out of the first episode. Yeah. She, so, yeah. yeah. yeah she said she thought that was funny. Yeah. You get your face in there. Um, that I just take it, put it in, put the cap it off, put, cap it off, yeah, airlock it, yeah, and put it aside. That brings and, up a, a, a kind of interesting side note to this. Um, you know, when you're using yeast and you have a preference, do you have a preference over uh, uh, dry or liquid? I I really do like liquid yeast. Yeah. Um, the only problem I have with it but right now is White Lab with their new package. Right, the, the pouch within the pouch. Yeah, I don't like that. Right. <laughs> I liked it when they had the vial. Right. You just put it in your pocket, you let it warm up, which which the pouch, you do the same thing. You warm it up, get it. Right. But you would just crack it open and pour it in. Right. Well now, not that it's that big of a deal, but I got to sterilize a pair of scissors before I cut it. Right. And then I pour it in. Right. It's not a big deal. Right. I just don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That, it's, it's as simple as that. I just don't you like it. You should see him. He hates change. We always drive home the same way, okay? <laughs> no matter what the delay is, we drive home the same way. Um, well, on, on, on some of the ingredients, I was showing, um, yeah, here we go, here's Hemlock. Oh, come on. No oh, way. Oh, Patty. Oh, Patty. 
You gotta try this beer. <laughs> Bob made it especially for you. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I swear to God, when they check it out, it's gonna be your fault. I swear. But, um, you know, some of the things in here: the spruce, ginger beer. Um, they use birch sap that was used years ago, hmm. and, and some of this stuff is really kind of fascinating. You know, so trying to get um, birch sap would be a little bit of a <laughs> I don't even know how you would get, get it. it. I guess you would do it the way you do maple syrup. <laughs> they were saying black birch is the best one. It, it's sweet. <laughs> right. Um, well, you know, I probably, you know, when you talk about colonial times or you talk about brewing, creating flavor to something that you're brewing, because, you know, I, I'm, you're now making me revisit something I saw on our grocery shelves just recently. Uh, it was a sap, a spruce spruce hop tea but it wasn't it was just a spruce carbonated beverage and it had spruce in it it's got doesn't have enough spruce on it right right <laughs> it's, I, I think it's a you know fancy advertising thing but it, it, it average it does have on the label that it uses spruce right and you can taste it right <laughs> for, for me I'd want at least another level or two of spruce in it right it just didn't it didn't satisfy my curiosity mm. for the flavor. Right, so you didn't buy a second can? No. <laughs> no, because um, no, it didn't It didn't have what I really wanted. I, right. I think the idea is great. Yeah, I, you know, that hop tea line is pretty fascinating. I think it's 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 interesting that you were able to produce those. It's it, Well, it's, it's not interesting because you can do almost anything you want. I think it's it's great that they they produced a product that you know in, in introduces hops or hop flavors to people as as a brewer I, I i'm sure you and i as a brewer when you taste it for the very first time you go yep yep there's mosaic there's citra i know simcoe i know those hops and so it's a nice little thing but the difference between a, a real beer and a hop tea <laughs> right but i mean it was it's like um it, it's still they were kind of refreshing Sure, they are refreshing. But just at the spruce, when it just didn't, it, it needed more spruce. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the thing to me is the, the amount of money they wanted for that can, it was a worth worthy to buy on sale and try it for the first time, but I'm not going to pay for a second time, right. you know? Yeah. But, like, if you could get, somehow if you could get, you know, spruce tips, if you can find some place, you know, like in the spring, get some... Some spruce tips, and use it relatively right away. You know, rinse it off and then put it in the boil. Right. Um, and, and just see what happens. I, you know, yeah. This is this is a really fun subject because you know you are an experimenter for homebrews, right? You like you like. I'm off the wall. Like, well, to be honest with you, folks, we'll walk a, a friggin' uh, we'll walk a big lots, and he can't stop. And not a, he looks at every friggin' ingredient or product <laughs> on the shelf, but and and you know comments this could be good in beer, but literally the the inventory that you could produce a beer with is unlimited. It's unlimited. Right? Right, it's unlimited. It's based on, you know, I, I think probably people's biggest mix, misconception is is you know it's it, you know they taste a peanut butter cup and they want to make peanut butter beer right, and it's not as simple as putting in. You know, a dollop of peanut butter and a dollop of chocolate, and expect that is going to be identical to what you're eating. Sometimes it takes brewing one batch, two batches, three batches, four batches. I think an example of that is like the chocolate coffee porter, right? It takes several batches to come up to a product that you're going to brew year after year because you finally found it, right? right. So, well, we last, it took me like four times. Right. I was determined because <laughs> I liked the idea of it, but the first one was just it was it was tough to drink. Mm -hmm. It was really tough to drink. Yeah. But once I started lowering <clears throat> the peated malt, it became much more. And now it's at the point where it's really good. It's really good with a burger, right? A burger, a steak, or mm. hot dog. Mm. I'm going to Bob's to eat for dinner, by the way. You know, it, it's it's really good for that. It really it, it matches well. Jolene, start cooking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, 
I, I love the home brewing aspect. And, you know, when you produce a product and, you know, you find something and it matches with, you know, it, it, I, I think what's fascinating about home brewing, the home brewing concept to me, especially, you know, from our perspective, right? You could always produce a beer based on the idea that you're going to repeat a profile. Let's say, for example, you're a Pilsner fan, right? And so you have all these great Pilsners in the area and you drink the Pilsners and you go, oh, I want to make that. And so you can spend your time creating that, right? But I really like the the other side of home brewing more. And that is, is like you find something that you like, you brew it, and then you just keep repeating that recipe and you work on it and you work on it and you create something that's individual to you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, it, obviously you could take that same recipe and hand it to 10 other brewers. It'll be different. It'll be different between all 10 brewers. Yeah, they, they might use something different and, right. and, and that's fine. That's, that's right. That's what, that's, that's pretty much my point. That is what makes home brewing a lot of fun is that, is that it's fine because the beers that you brew are not identical to the beers that I brew. But they definitely introduce flavors and, you know, experiences that you, you are hard to repeat. You know, they're really and, hard to repeat. And those are the things that I like. There's nothing wrong with Pilsners. I've had some good Pilsners. Um, I'm just, I'm just off the wall when it comes to, <laughs> to ingredients. I'll just use just about anything because I like, I, I like, like, I like different tasting anything mm -hmm. like I like lamb because I like a little bit of that it's kind of like a little gamey I like that right turkey I like the dark meat on turkey I don't like I mean I'm not saying I don't like the white meat <laughs> I prefer the darker meat because I think it has more flavor yeah I agree I agree I mean I uh, and, and that's what I like when I'm in in a beer I like right. something that's got more you know different flavors right it, it's just how I am so I'll I'll I don't mind experimenting. <clears throat> I enjoy experimenting. It's yeah, always yeah. like, but see, the thing is, you can. The thing with home brewing, you can do what you want. Right, and that the, the, just the, remember that, folks. <laughs> you can do what you want, and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. It's, it's a it's a hobby worth repeating, once. Twice. <laughs> it's a hobby worth repeating. What I, it's a great point because. You go out there and you make something you absolutely enjoy. You keep making it and you keep repeating it. But then, you know, you come across something else you want to try, you know, and you try to brew it and it may be your new favorite kind of thing. Yeah. But to me, that's what makes this hobby the best hobby around is the fact that, you know, when you're brewing something, that aha moment, that discovery that you've just brewed something that you've never had before or ever brewed before. And going like this is my new favorite. This is what I'm going to create. I think it's fascinating when I hear you talk about the different ingredients you put into a beer, and how you have a perception of how it's going to turn out. And, it, yeah, and sometimes it doesn't. Right, but, but that's okay. It, but you come out with a like it's like a person building a house. You know, the person building the house visually knows what it's going to look like in the end. But trying to describe that to anybody else. Is a virtual impossibility unless of course you know they've been building with you for years kind of thing whereas when you're doing beer and things like that you know a lot of times you start with the impression of what you're going to make and it can be completely different but not horrible you know i mean still be and sometimes it exceeds your expectations you know i think that there are a lot of examples i have in my home brewing where i've been surprised and you know and you want to repeat the experience and the only example I have where I've repeated it more times than not is the chocolate coffee pour. I've made that nine times now. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 it, it is a fun subject, you know, to sit there and think, okay, I can add this to beer. And the spruce idea is fascinating to me. Yeah. <laughs> Even the birch. Yeah. It's like, well, how the hell am I ever going to get any birch sap to to do this? You right. Know? But you know, it it's it's something that really kind of like sends you down a direction that goes like, I got I got to discover this. I got to figure this out. Yeah, I got to like, right. hmm. Let's 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 you know, anybody out there with uh, a forest of spruce, <laughs> and uh, let me know in the spring, and we're gonna take little snippets off. Uh, you know what? If you could get Bob a source of spruce, and we'll travel to spring, we'll record a podcast at your location and include you in the podcast. Uh, folks, we're gonna take a little break right here. 
Bobby G and Stubby, uh, or Long Neck and Stubby, we're going to take a little break and uh, we'll get back to you. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be Fellow homebrewing enthusiast, where do you get your homebrewing supplies? Long Neck and myself, Stubby, we get ours from Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, located at 403 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. They are open Wednesday through Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 5, and their new winter hours, Sunday from 10 to 2. They're closed Monday and Tuesday. Their phone number is 401-765-3830. Their website is www.blackstonevalleybrewing.com. The owner, Charlie Barron, is a great guy, excellent customer service, and a fellow home brewer. His online ordering system is exceptional. You place your order, and moments later, you receive an email confirming what you have ordered. If Charlie does not have it, he will find it. If he cannot find it, then it doesn't exist. I'm just joking. Call Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies for your home brewing needs. Tell Charlie that a Two Beer Bottles podcast sent you. Here we are, the two beer bottles, Bobby G, a.k.a. Longneck, and Ermio, a.k.a. Stubby. You guys, if you ever known what a Longneck or Stubby are, you know, I think I got the short of the stick when it comes to names. You but... came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. But a Stubby is a little bottle with no neck, and, and I guess if you looked at me, I could be a Stubby in itself. Um, I'm not much taller, <laughs> if that. Um, so, Bob, let's talk about what we're going to be making, or what we are making, what we're in the middle of. So I'm going to start with you. You mentioned that you're going to be starting a beer shortly, or hoping to? Hoping to. Uh, yeah. Right now I have um, my mead in the, uh, in the primary, which has been in the primary for about a month. And then it's going to go into the secondary for about two months. And then I will bottle it. Is this a new mead or is this is a new mead? Oh wow! And uh, it's going to be ready for um, Gatsby days. If anybody is from Rhode Island or uh, yeah. the Warwick Cranston area, Gatsby days—they got canceled this year. <laughs> You're COVID. not happy. You don't look happy. <laughs> no, I'm not. COVID, COVID ruined that for me. Right. I ended up working that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Um, so it'll be ready for, for that because it needs at least six months to age. So when you make it, and once you bottle it, you put it aside and you kind of forget about it once you bottle it for about six months. So um, it what, gets better with age, supposedly. Right. What's the profile of this one? It's gonna, I put um, crystallized ginger in it mm -hmm. uh, near the end. Right. Because uh, I didn't want to boil away the ginger flavor. Mm -hmm. And at the end, I put um, a fresh squeezed orange, oranges in there. Wow. And the peels. They were organic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to get regular if I'm going to throw the peels in. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want any pesticides in, in it. So You never know. Uh, pesticides yeah. aren't <laughs> I know that's why I got that second head over here. <laughs> Throw it out of my shoulder. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so right now, um, that's that's where I I put I put the yeast in the dry yeast in within a half an hour. Within a half an hour, it was breaking. Why? And that's what the that's with the the blow off tube in about two inches of water. It was perking. Right. So basically. I mean, it was. What size batch? Five gallons. Oh, wow, wow, that's a that's a huge investment. Five gallons. Well, if anybody is from Rhode Island, listen to this. OSHA State job lot. If you're an old geezer like me, they had a uh, old geezer sale for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get twenty five percent off <laughs> if you're an old coot, and um, they had. Uh, 30 ounce jars of honey for five sixty nine. Wow! <laughs> yes. So I end up paying, I got what, five, 
five jars, mm-hmm. five, six jars, and it cost me like twenty-two dollars. <laughs> wow! So it was worth making. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> For that kind of money, it was worth making. Yeah, the next time you see a sale on that, text me, all right? And I, g- g- give well, me... you're a veteran, aren't you? Yeah. Duh, that you can get the 25% off. All right, so they, is that every day or just Veterans Day? From Veterans Day to next Wednesday. All right. Job lot. All right, folks, I'll be shopping at Job lot very well, shortly. Well, I'm going to be going after this, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right after this session. I'm going to be stocking up on some stuff. Um... So, you know, so you're making this new mead and, you know, you've got a six-month timeline on it. Um, what will you be brewing in the very near future? Or what were you thinking about brewing? What I'm thinking about brewing is um, is this, um, it's got tea in it. It's got Earl Grey tea in it. Hmm. And um, <clears throat> I was looking through this book by Michael Jackson, who is unfortunately deceased now. Um, and it's a book thicker than the uh, homebrewer's um, answer book. Answer book, yeah. It's like twice that. And it's different beers from around the world. How many and recipes do you need? No, there's not a recipe. It's not a recipe. Okay. It just describes the beers, what they are. And I mean, this guy's got copies of Cat's Meow, you know, Cat's Meow too. <laughs> he's got more books. Like, there's no, there's no way that he's ever going to brew half of his inventory. Oh God, all no. Right. There's no way. <laughs> okay, so all right, you got this recipe, yeah? No. Well, so I'm looking through the book, mm-hmm. and it describes different beers. Mm. You know, whether it's a lager or wheat, whatever. The, the taste profile, where it's brewed, the um, alcohol content, the temperature you should drink it at, and most of the temperature is between 50 and 55 degrees. That's mm-hmm. that's r- roughly whatever what it is. And I come across this one, and it says tea beer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so there's no recipe for it, so I went online and I found a recipe, and I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna make it, and one of the for priming I'm gonna use honey. You know, tea, honey with your tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, nice, nice. Yeah, you know, yeah. go. You know. What were you thinking about uh, yeast and hops? Are you gonna do yeast and hops? Yeah, it calls for yeast and hops. Calls, yeah. Well, of course it calls for hops, but it does have yeast in it. Yep. Um, and hops. I I forgot the hops. I think it's Fuggles. All right. <clears throat> yes, it is Fuggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll uh, I'll use that. And, you know, it, uh, we'll see. You yeah. Know, it, um, you know, the, what kind of yeast profile do you think you're gonna shoot for? Any idea? Probably a London. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Pretty, pretty British. What kind of tea? Real <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, I'm going for English, Dad. When I drink the beer, I'm gonna make sure I hold my pinky up. <laughs> Uh, for, Cheerio. <laughs> for myself, um, you know, I, I, I've mentioned it many times, you know, I, I did a rustic French ale, um, one which was bottled. Uh, unfortunately, I broke a bottle, so I'm oh my goodness. sad, sad about that. Um, the other one I'm about to bottle tomorrow. And then uh, the, the third one, which is my favorite, is the chocolate coffee porter. That came out exceptional. That was beyond my expectations. All the equipment worked like I wanted it to work. Um, so it was like putting on, you know, old shorts. <laughs> um, yeah, we're not going to go there. <laughs> but, but it was like, you know, putting on familiar clothing. You know? oh, like, okay. <laughs> <that's not bad. laughs> um, but uh, it all worked. It worked. It worked beautifully. It really did. It worked, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> no, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it worked out beautifully. Everything, everything went well. Numbers were exceeded. And the appearance is gorgeous right now. So it's it's everything it was. I can't wait to do the chocolate pudding uh, sludge at the bottom you know, when I transfer it because I'm going to transfer it today, later today. Um, and we'll be able to have that chocolate yeast pudding at the bottom. Mmm. Yuck. You know, for people who don't know about this, you look at it, If you, you would look at it and you go, that looks disgusting. Right. But we look at it and we go, this is freaking cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I get to determine, I mean, and and it does look cool. I mean, it it really is a gloppy, really dark, (laughs) 
chocolatey <laughs> goo, and it's just, but it's not tasty at all. It is horrid flavor, but the alcohol above it is, I mean, the um, the product above it is delicious, so it looks good. It looks very good. Um, I can't wait to transfer it today. Yeah, it, it, um, some of the stuff when I used to, uh, um, I would be pouring the wort into the fermentator, I have this um, funnel with a screen in it. <clears throat> Before I started using um, a hot bag to put the hops oh, in, no. you would look at it and look like baby poop. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and you're rinsing it off with water, you know, and you you get it to to go down and everything, and it it, it well, you're getting all the goodness out of right. it, right? But it looks like baby poop at first. <laughs> it, it 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 does, and then you know I go, hey, you know what? Making a hot bag would really help, yeah. and guess what? Yeah, it, <laughs> it did really help. It it's a secret that Bob passed on to me. I I know that probably everybody suggested in their recipes, but uh, you know, especially today's recipes. But uh, even in the third edition, uh, he didn't use muslin bags to uh, yeah. as a secret. He just basically rinsed through it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there was before we used to just pour everything right in. Right, I mean, and, and, I, and you'd have like a almost an inch of sludge in the bottom. Right. So now I don't have that. Right, anymore. I use it when I'm doing my all grain brews. I use a thing called a hop spider, which is really is just a conical, and it has it's a fine mesh screen, right? And you put your hops in it, but I don't when I circulate it through a pump and things like that. I definitely don't put it through a filter to put it into my beer. And so the porter literally does have all those smaller particulates in it that you get that you would normally eliminate through a you know a screen or a funnel in a screen, and you know I, I get a product that it has a little bit more crud at the bottom of that carboy, but you know it's worked. It's worked. I, definitely, I, I I probably would not. I would probably use a screen if I didn't have a hop spider. You would have to because otherwise, all the hops and uh, that that is just gross mud. I mean that 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 will baby poop. Yeah, that that will clog any pump. You know, what I mean? it really will It'll clog any pump. Um, yeah. So, anything else on the menu? So you think it? Uh, you'll brew once or twice this 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 uh, fall? I mean, it's COVID. So what else have you got to do? Well, I want to I want to do that in the next week or so. Yeah. So that I can bottle before the first of the year. Yeah. Because then I'll bottle the um, the mead. The mead. Yeah. And then after that, I'm thinking of making um, a uh, maple pecan ale. Ooh. <laughs> wow. wow. I told I told you I'm I'm, I'm off the pecan, wall. That is awesome. I that is just awesome. I um I've decided that next year's adventure is the cat's meow. I've, I'm going to break into that catalog that you gave me. And grab a recipe from there. I think I might go crazy. I think I might do what you're well, doing. Well, this, this, um, this mead that I made, the last one, comes from the cat's meow. Yeah, I, 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 I <clears throat> there's so much in there. Yeah. You don't need another book. You don't. You don't. But you know, it's, <laughs> but it's great to have another book. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is true. It is true. It, it's just, you just can't have enough recipes. Um, besides the fact that you know when you when you're you're looking through the recipes, it's fun to sit there and go like, "Ooh, that's interesting. I'll get to that later." But then you know, get later into the book and forget about the first recipe you were thumbing. Um, but I, I that's a homebrewing, right? That's homebrewing. <laughs> that's homebrewing. But I can't wait. I'm a veteran. I'm gonna go take advantage of that honey deal. So yes, yeah, that that sounds awesome. That yes. sounds awesome. I think I could beat Bob to you, the store. You, you just gotta show your your. Um... Yeah. That you're a veteran. You're yeah, British. I've got I've got my little license there. It tells me veteran. I'll wear my veteran socks. I'll yeah. show them my veteran socks. Yeah, you get twenty five percent off. <laughs> Didn't know it. Didn't know it. I wasn't paying attention. It's to that. worth. It's it was worth making it for that kind of money. Exactly. Even for the five sixty nine for thirty ounces, which is right. almost two pounds. Right. It's worth it. Yeah, it is. That's a, that's a big 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 deal. That that. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> well, it's, it's always great to be here to, to do this, and uh, 
newly renovated studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, folks, we use this portion of the segment to sit there and thank all those people there. The first person I'm going to thank is uh, Bobby G, of course. He got me veteran socks today, so I was very happy. I cannot wait to wear those things. I plan on wearing them properly. Yeah, right, right. Oh, look at that. He's got his USA socks on. Awesome. What a, what a great young man he is. But we use this portion to thank, of course, all those that have helped us make this podcast possible. Our with wives. Or, with or without their permission. Our wives. Jolene, thank you. Thank Patty. you. <laughs> Honey, Patty, thank you so very much. Um, Bob, I can't thank you enough. I really am having a fun time doing these podcasts. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you very much. And, of course, who else but our beer supplier? Yes, Blackstone Valley Brewing Supply. Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies. Charlie, thank you for all that you have available. We want to keep you in business. So, people, if you live in the Rhode Island area, but even then, if you don't, you can always order online. Yep. You can always call Charlie. Just give him a call and get your beer supply from him. Uh, we got to keep our local businesses in, yes. in check. We have yes. to keep them uh, alive. Yes. And don't forget to tell him that uh, the two beer bottles sent you. Yeah, Crazy Bob. <laughs> you know, but uh, Ermio is right. I, you know, you can order online, but you're just helping somebody that you you don't even say right i mean um again if you're local it's worth the trip to go see charlie he's yeah. uh, he's always there um great great place and you know, i'm not knocking any other brew shops in fact i'm i'm sadly sad to report them the place i used to get my supplies from adega uh beer and wine they had to close down during this covid uh situation because they just weren't generating any business so let's keep these businesses in uh, in in business okay so support your local brew shop of course but if you don't have a brew shop or you're looking for a new brew shop charlie's the place to go blackstone valley brewing supplies two beer bottles say goodbye and good luck <laughs> the same here we go welcome to the two bottle oh, try again Welcome to the two bottle beer oh, Two beer bottles. Why I can't say it. Okay. Here we go. One, Three, two, one. Welcome to the two beer bottle show. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Try it again. Welcome to the two beer bottles podcast with your host, Bobby G, aka Longneck. And my co-host, Ermio, a.k.a. Stubby. All right.